Oh, hi there. It's oh, James. Hi there. It's um, James. Just interrupting um, this broadcast. If you like the podcast, you like the podcast please go on to iTunes, subscribe to it, subscribe leave to a review, leave say a review, how much you like say it, how much you and like maybe it, and get in touch, get in with touch with us. Yeah, Ramsey here. Um, next day wine delivery, sure. Fuck that, huh? Donkey. Next day, no. Today, I want it in an hour. Who can do it? I'll tell you who can. Drop to wine delivery app for London. If you don't live in London, you're a donkey. If you don't live in zones one and two, fair enough. There are house price issues in play, but assuming you do, or you can have wine delivered to those regions at a sensible hour, then great, well done you, because Drop is the app for you. Wine, huh? 170 or something, they've got loads. You can get cheese, you can get other bits. Yeah, yeah, that is a baby in the background crying. I'm cooking a kid, huh? Not a goat, an actual child, huh? Fuck you, donkey. Dropwine.co.uk And then had proceeded to squeeze her head and limbs, described as looking like putty, through the letterbox. <laughs> Straight shooter. Straight shooter, not bullshitter. Truth talker. Mm-hmm. Mm. Off to New York tomorrow, aren't we? we NYC. Are. The yep. Big Apple, some call it. <laughs> you heard that name? I have, yeah. Have, yeah. Doesn't make any sense to me. What's the biggest apple you've ever eaten? Uh, cooking apple, probably. Have you eaten one raw? Yep, the entire thing. Did that hurt? Yeah, it gave me a pretty bad stomachache. Yeah, I did it when I was a kid. That's what they always said, wasn't it? Yeah. I don't think it's poisonous, is it? But I can't say that word. Like How would you say that word? Po- poisonous. You said it fine the first Did time. Did I? My wife tells me I can't say it properly. Um, there's a combination of... The, I'd say there's a mixture of emotions between you and me at the moment. Right. Not between you and me in a you know, sexual way. Right. Or, or angry way. Okay. Or any other way. <laughs> okay. Anger and sexual are the two emotions Bet's I'm... hedged. Because <laughs> uh, I'd say we're part feeling... Quite ex- very excited about our trip to NYC. Yeah, the Big Apple, as some call it. I think yeah. you already mentioned that. <laughs> you did, yeah. And then just feeling a little bit nervous about this week's guest. Um, Would you say quite a big uh, dog in a, in a, yeah. in, a, in, a, in, a, in his own way? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, in, ma- in many ways. Yeah, um, I wouldn't say the biggest of dogs we've had on here. No, he can come across. He can come across quite intimidating on occasion. So yeah. it's whether or not he's going to be turning up intimidated. But then I was thinking about it earlier on, and I was thinking, when you turn up and you ring that buzzer, I mean, nine times out of ten, we don't hear the buzzer, so somebody who works here lets them in and probably brings them up, or whatever, like we're proper captains of industry. Proper dicks. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking, God, that must be quite nerve-wracking. Like, you're meeting two strangers, and you don't quite know what's happening. Mm. It's not like you're going to a radio interview or something where you're, you know the lay of the land. I mean, I'm assuming that this week's guest is not a regular listener to Ticky Off Ticky Off probably uh, not Chef Tom Akins yeah one of the sort of enfant terrible is that the right expression yeah I guess yeah of the sort of mid noughties sort of modern fine dining explosion he probably you know I remember a big thing when he was like jacking in doing white tablecloths that wasn't that long ago actually but anyway he trained on a Pierre Kaufman Quite famous for um, not necessarily 
um, being a leading light in terms of, you know, being uh, mincing my words here. He was had a reputation of being a bit of a bastard to his to other I'd, chefs. I'd say as did all chefs of that. As did all chefs of that ilk. Era. Most, yeah. Not wearing, lovely man. No, wearing was a proper, yeah, piece of work. But yeah, so, no, they, so they all were. I would say I wouldn't. I wouldn't unfairly tar him with that brush. No, 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 sure. And I'm hoping we can get into that because I don't really want to. It's not really in our. It's not our style to be confrontational or provocative. But I think it would be good if if we could have a conversation about, you know, restaurant culture, kitchen culture, uh, and leadership. Yeah, and also to. The other side of that is he was actually a big reason why I sort of got into food and restaurants because his restaurant, um, restaurant Tom Aikens, I believe, uh, was one of the first sort of Michelin-y restaurants I ever went to. And I remember thinking this is absolutely fucking mind-blowing. And I remember asking loads of questions to all the staff because I was so into it. I thought it was amazing. I'd never been somewhere like that. Do you remember what you ate? No idea. No idea. Probably a tian of something. No, it was good, but it was sort when, of When inventive. was this? How long ago are we talking? I mean, it must have been a long time ago. It must have been in my teens. But in your teens? My teens. Okay, but I, I mean, I was being partly flippant, but also like inventive at that time in your teens was, would have been like tians and probably like scallop and black pudding. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably. Less, so, maybe, maybe that kind of thing. I don't remember. What's annoying is I meant and I couldn't find it. Um... I think it's at my uh, folks' house, but the uh, his cookbook, which right. I, uh, when I was first getting into cooking, it had sort of more advanced sort of cooking stuff in, and I got really got into that for a while, but I couldn't find the book because I wanted to. So I definitely cooked a bunch out there. Um, what do you yeah. think is the most Tom Aiken's books aside? What do you think is the most adventurous thing you've cooked from a cookbook? Oh, probably that terrible uh, leaf crap, forest from, floor from Favacan, yeah. I'm just, I still think that was a joke, that recipe. <laughs> collect collect leaves, for, freshly fallen leaves. Part, one part freshly fallen leaves. Yeah. One part leaves that fell last autumn. Yeah. If you don't know the difference, you're a really poor leaf forager. Yeah. And then make a soup out of it. Yeah, the biggest... I think he was joking. But the biggest thing about it is you don't wash the leaves. Earthy. So it's just mud, basically, which... I was at a wedding in Stockholm at the weekend, and the starter at the at dinner, although you call it a wedding breakfast, which has always confused me. Until very recently, I thought there was a breakfast that I was never getting invited to. Right. And that I only ever just got invited to the dinner, and then transpires that it's called the wedding breakfast. Is, is that because it's the first meal of the day that is your life together? Oh, I don't know. Um, I didn't call it that at my wedding. No. No, I didn't. I think we called it scran time. <laughs> Grubs up. <laughs> Tucker no, at the trough. Nose bag. Um, and the beetroots in the starter were so earthy, but delicious, but it, you felt like you were eating soil. Really? Yeah, yeah. I do, yeah that wasn't my final say. What's the, what's the thing that you cooked? Well, the most... Oh, I don't know. I'm not... I'm not I, I don't do that, going for that sort of... Level, you know, the, no, no, but sometimes you'll do something sort of a bit stupid. I prefer you? like the more projecty dishes, yeah. like um, pig's head tureen, yeah, or even like something from Pock Pock can be feel like quite a project when you're, yeah, I just half ass it through that book, yeah, and it always tastes great, yeah, but, but I think I did like the is it the Burmese, Burmese. pork curry, yeah, yeah, and I think I went all in and went and shopped for everything, and it, it, it yeah, it was, it was banging, 
I do, yeah. I'm sure I've said this on here before. I think a project dish is quite fun, but they're harder to do when you've got kids. Yeah. But something that takes all day. Um, yeah, but also you think it's with climate change and stuff, that Favicon dish potentially could be quite dangerous because they're up, you know, Arctic Circle direction and with climate change and the ice caps melting and everything, just like there were those people in Russia and a bunch of deer that had been encased in ice for like 500 years came to the surface as the ice melted and really? a whole bunch of people really? got anthrax wow yeah did deers carry anthrax yeah or these deer did anyway that's like something from that terrible did. sky atlantic show what was it called about the, the reindeers in the ice oh yeah 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 crazy fortitude oh yeah yeah started well got shit um so yeah anyway beware making stuff from Favica and it might have anthrax in it I think that's what we worked out didn't we so what do you do if there's reindeer poo on the leaves but you're not because you're not allowed to wash them you're not allowed so to wash them, yeah. Magnus says so what do you think about Favican closing big, some big closing scale yeah. at the moment um, I think it's, uh, there was something always sort of magical about that place I think not that I ever got to go there but back then when I was sort of into that thing I was just thought oh it'd be amazing but I think it's also just because I like the idea of going somewhere and being warm inside mm. when it's horrific outside can you ever see restaurants becoming becoming like uh, TV series that there'll be something cool about just doing you know flea bag office faulty towers although please can fuck off now but you just do two series so you you know you just do five years and, and that's it but I think that sort of ties into something that we've been talking about recently where people don't take ownership of their restaurants and they, mm. their restaurant shuts and they just go, oh, it was just a pop-up or I was just consulting. It's like, well, it was, you were willing to take the plaudits yeah. when it was It was very much your about. restaurant when you were talking about opening it. <laughs> yeah. So when it comes to closing it, take ownership of that, yeah. Um, I mean, Magpie, I think, Magpie wasn't actually ours. Yeah, it was we never consulted ours. on it. It was the public's. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it, was, it was the British... People. Yeah, we gave it unto them. Yeah. Do you give many things and unto them? And then we voted to leave. <laughs> um, yeah. You said you had uh, a load of notes. Did so. I? No, Mate, you spent all afternoon saying I've got stuff for the pod. No, oh, I've got this for the pod. Oh, oh. yeah, yeah, I've got one thing. One You've thing. got one thing. No, well, an right. afternoon's work. Um, an afternoon's work. That's generous. Uh, James, last week we talked about post boxes. We did at some length, uh, and I think that's really um, that's really strummed a chord with our listeners. The old chord strummers. Uh, so I thought, you know, people want more post box chat. But also what they want, James, is ghost chat. They so, was, I mean, it was a long Google mm. session trying to see, are there any haunted post boxes? I think most of them are. Um, but it turned out I couldn't, there was no tales online of a haunted post box. If you put a white sheet over a post box, it would kind of look like a ghost. Yeah, it would do. It would. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't find that. There's a haunted post office in Chicago. Okay. Um, which was built on the what was a absolute house of horrors, some creepy a horror gift. house. Yeah, um, but that's that's a post office, so that's not quite the same. Um, couldn't find a haunted post box, but what I did find James is a potentially haunted letterbox in Liverpool. Very good. So was that the one listener David Constable shared with no, us? No, no, that's oh. that's recent. That's like a news thing right. from. Well, recently. Thanks, David. Yeah, thank you. Um, you decided to shun his suggestion and go with a different story. 
Well, yeah, I thought let's, that's David's story. Maybe David can tell it at length. <laughs> length. Uh, so one of the most haunted roads in Liverpool is Queen's Drive. One of Walton. the most. Are there one many haunted roads in Liverpool? Yeah. It's famous for its haunted roads. Yeah, there's lots of haunted roads. But Queen's Drive is where 70-plus ghosts of the most terrifying kind have been reported over the years. Okay. The most spine-chilling of these has to be the one they call Mrs. Bendy. Okay. What do you think about that? Chilling, isn't it? Yeah. Sent chills down my spine. It was Halloween, well, around Halloween, so it wasn't actually Halloween, in the 1950s when a 16-year-old named Carol Jones fled from the house where she'd been babysitting. A policeman on the beat on Cherry Lane encountered Carol in a terrified state, mute with fear. She finally blabbed out an incoherent story of an old woman with a ghastly face who called at the house on Queen's Drive just after 9pm. Let me in, I live here, she'd cried, and then had proceeded to squeeze her head and limbs, described as looking like putty, through the letterbox. <laughs> the policeman found the door still open at the house and the three-year-old unharmed but crying in the bedroom. Two more babysitters witnessed the same weird apparition of the ectoplasmic old lady who could somehow squeeze through the letterbox, and the owners even had their house blessed by a priest. But Mrs. Bendy continued to ooze herself through the letterbox on various occasions right up to the 1980s. It's a very offensive nickname for but this But who Mrs. Bendy was when she was alive is still unknown. Mrs. Bendy. Chilling tale. But imagine that. Like a scary looking old woman turns up at your front door. Squeezing through the letterbox. And a, an old woman like Putty. Oh, let me in. Yeah. I live here. But also, could you think of old people as being more desiccated, more dry in texture? But they're quite squidgy at times. Are they? No, I mean, not at times. I don't squidge them, and so, but you know. But it seems like to me, you'd think they'd be more dusty. Like it would be sort of a pour of dust, sand, maybe mummy esque. As in Egyptian mummies, not my mother. Be awkward for Mrs. Bendy if she she'd overestimated the puttiness of her body, and as she squeezed through, she kind of shattered into a million pieces. Yeah, but then maybe she could reform like the T two thousand or whatever it was, T one thousand, T one thousand in yeah. Terminator two. Yeah. Do you believe in Mrs. Putty? Yeah. Well, she kept appearing between the fifties and the eighties. That's why I believe in her, Sam. Let's move on. That's thirty years of mm. Mrs. Bendy. Did you know in Scotland? North of the border, as I call it. Yeah, they don't have the uh, they don't have the initials of the monarch on their post boxes. Don't they? No. What do they? No, it's a little fact I picked up. Do they have a thistle? A thistle? No, it just says post box. Oh, or the post office. Do you know why? Lack of imagination. Because Elizabeth the second isn't the isn't the second Elizabeth to be the monarch of Scotland. Oh, she not. Because Elizabeth the first was not the monarch of Scotland. Oh, wow. There you go. Postbox time is over. Wow. You can definitely see this being a recurring feature <laughs> on The Kitchen's On Fire. Yeah. James, how was Sweden? I, re- I like Sweden a lot. Yeah. I like Stockholm. Um, I think it's not as pretty as somewhere like De- uh, Com- Copenhagen, I wouldn't say, architecturally. Right. But the Swedes are lovely. They speak excellent English, which is helpful, as to the Danes. Um, and they now have these amazing electric scooters. Oh, yeah, You'd you have, did that. You wouldn't have done that. You'd have been no. terrified. Yeah. But scooted everywhere. Did you? Re- I mean, very expensive country, scooters included. So a little 10-minute scooter ride was the equivalent of basically getting an Uber. But, not near, but way more fun. 
and we had a fantastic dinner at Spesiriet, which I will pronounce wrong, will have pronounced wrong, a recommendation of Callum Franklin, um, where they, I think they did a pop-up there a while ago. Anyway, it's fucking great. So if you're going to Stockholm, go to Spesiriet, and maybe jump on a little scooter on your way there. Had a little wedding in a church, and we boarded a boat, but it was also the Stockholm Marathon. So at the 39th kilometre, where you're starting to feel pretty shit about life, the people running the marathon had to contend with 175 wedding guests crossing the marathon route to get onto a fucking boat to go up amongst the archipelago. Yeah. Archipelago. <laughs> That's the word I can't pronounce right. Yeah. Archipelago. Archipelago. Um, archipelago. Archipelago. And then we went up the water. We went up the water, up the water. <laughs> yeah, as I call classic. It. classic. Classically going up water. Uh, just had a delightful time. Yeah. Old friends, Sam. Yeah. Very old. Some of them are ancient. Dry. Yeah. Dry. Yeah. Some of them were crumbling Very like old hobnobs. <laughs> um, that's lovely. Yeah. You yeah. went camping. First went camping, camping of the year. First camping of the year. Uh, weather was unbelievable. Uh, my initial experience of the camping this time was I was a bit upset because we were in a new area of the area where we camp and there was no easy access into the woods to gather wood. Okay. And that's the one part I enjoy. Gather. It's one of the few times you can use the word gather. Yeah. Another time you can use it is when you're gathering leaves for your soup. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Ash Newt took the plunge and uh, plunged over a barbed wire fence. Uh, I'd already been in just there, climbed but then it. I was like, oh, the wood's a bit too far away. There is some wood, but it's a bit too far away. And I knew Ash would try and be a hero. So, so he did that and got some what big plunged over it, Bob? Plunged, it's not the right word. Climbed. He, he climbed over it, sort of threw it. You didn't want to climb over a barbed wire fence? I already did, but then I was like, oh, the yeah. wood's too far away from the barbed wire fence. You're a city boy, aren't you? No. Um, climbing anyway, over barbed wire fence is one of the first things you learn as a yeah. Norseman. <laughs> Norseman. Uh, but anyway, we got some wood, did some cooking, cooked a morto sausage that BB had bought me as oh, a joke. Gorgeous. Cooked in cider and stock with some oh. potatoes. Um, really reduced it down, so it was that sweet. Sounds great. It was, it was really nice. I feel like we were a bit unfair to Jackson Boxer on last week's pod, so this week I'm going to be nice about him and say right. the last morto sausage I had was at Brunswick House, and that was delicious. I think we had it with Pom Aligo. Oh, nice. On the, oh, I was with you, Beaujolais Nouveau Day. Oh, yeah, that was good fun. Yeah. Very um, good fun. So actually, thanks. we could do a new we could do a new segment on the podcast. We say, "Where's Jackson stuck today?" So he didn't come on the podcast because oh. he was stuck at Geneva Airport. So James, for this week, where's Jackson stuck today? Is he stuck somewhere? Well, just say he oh, is. Oh, he's stuck. <laughs> say you messaged him. Oh right. And I messaged Jackson earlier. You'll never guess where he's stuck. <laughs> he's he's in a he's in a yurt in Ghent. Jackson Boxer is stuck in a yurt in Ghent. Well, yeah. Check back Can't in next out. week to see where Jackson's stuck. <laughs> is that a good feature? Feels brilliant. Okay. I reckon that's going to go viral. Let's run with it. Hashtag. Yeah, on Twitter, hashtag where's Jackson stuck? Imagine if anyone does that. He, he was, was cooking Bransdown Kiefer last night. I know, I was jealous of that. I love Real ha- humble Kiefer. brag, back to work to cook Ransom yeah, Kiefer. Yeah, it was. Ooh, tough to be at the end of paternity leave, but cooking Ransom Kiefer. He deserved a little yurt yeah. holiday I in think Ghent, didn't he? fantastic in 24. Huh, lovely stuff. <laughs> that was his dad. <laughs> no, he was in Don't Look Now. Ah, uh, that was his uncle, Ronald. Uh, speaking of 24, have you ever seen The Wicker Man? Mm-hmm. 
You know, they were talking. If you listen to John Grant on Adam Buxton, other oh, podcast, that was other, great. Other, love that guy. Love that guy. What a voice. Yeah. Like treacle. Um, and he was talking about The Wicker Man and an actor who, how I, I've never seen in anything other than a relatively minor role in 24. I was about to say how I've remembered his name. Of course I remember his name, because A, it's the coolest name ever, and B, it's definitely the coolest surname as a first name, with reference to Austin. The actor from The Wicker Man, who also plays wannabe president in series six of 24, Powers Booth. Oh, Powers Booth. What a name. Is this, are you talking about the remake of The Wicker Man, the Nicolas Cage one? No, it's the original. The original. Powers Booth is in it, is it? Yeah. Yeah, I watched that. What else is Powers Booth then? He's like one of those, he was around like the 70s, wasn't he? What a name. Yeah. Powers Booth. You can't be a shrinking violet with a name like Powers Booth. No, um, Mark Maron was talking about someone with an actor with a cool name the other day. Who's the guy who was in uh, Prison Break? Oh, yeah. Wentworth Miller. No, 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 no. No. Not him. (laughs) The baddie. The really creepy guy. Oh, Walton Goggins. No. Yeah. Well, the the creepy... Yeah, uh, the the skinny guy. Walton Goggins. Is it Peter? I think he is. Yeah. Okay. And what a name, Goggins. Walton Goggins. Yeah. What are you going to get up to if your surname's Goggins? Nothing good. Mrs. Goggins sounds like the sort of name you make up and you're like, oh, Actually, Ms. No, no, Mrs. Goggins is the old woman in uh, Postman Pat. Is it? Yeah. Mrs. Goggins. Mrs. Goggins, there yeah. There you go. That's Pat stops was, off there for he, a cup of tea <laughs> on the reg. <laughs> tea in inverted commas. Mm-hmm. Well, he was her son. Walton. Yeah. So from Greenvale, <laughs> he was sired he got by Pat, <laughs> son of Pat. You're not my real dad. Tom said that to me in the market the other day. Oh, yeah, not my real dad, but in middle of Broadway market, unprompted. I've never told him it would be a funny thing to say. He's too young to get it being funny. He just turns to me out of nowhere and goes, "You're not my dad." Really loudly. Well, thankfully, everyone around laughed, and I think my reaction was honest enough that they were like. <laughs> He must be his real you could have put, You should have like put a, uh, like a tote bag over his head and made out like you were running away with him. People would have laughed. <laughs> what would you do if you saw that? Assume it was a joke or take me uh, down? I'd probably rugby tackle you. A flying challenge you wouldn't, from the left power. flank. Yeah. You would so, remove yourself from the theatre of so conflict. So did we establish that Postman Pat was having a sordid affair... With Mrs Goggins. With Mrs Goggins, and they sired star of... Uh, <laughs> Prison Break, Vice Principals, um, Justified, Walton Goggins. I think we have established that. Good. Next, Tom Akins. So you're still incredibly hands on with. Yeah, no, I am. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Because. See that? Yeah. Scars are still there. Yeah, and also walking around with your passport hanging out of your pocket. Yeah, I know. Literally, I had, to, I had to go and get a uh, a visa for maybe another thing that I'm doing outside of the UK. So. Right. Yeah, so it's all go. Because you've, you, you've got stuff going on in Abu Dhabi as well, haven't you? So I've got... Um, in Abu Dhabi, there's... Um, do, you to, do you want to do this now? or? Oh, yeah, we're off, yeah, yeah. Oh, you are? Oh, oh yeah. right, OK, right. Didn't know. This is okay. how we lull, lull you into yeah, a okay. sense of... Yeah, anyway, no, so I've got... Um, there's... Uh, yeah, so it's an uh, addition hotel, uh, which is in um, Abu Dhabi. You know, we kind of got three different, very different uh, concepts, you know, on price point and, and service. So one is a um, sort of steakhouse. Uh, called a, we've called a corner that sort of British British rock and roll steakhouse. So right. we've got um, 
literally it's, it's kind of segmented in sort of three um, different dining rooms and on each of the walls we've got these um, huge blown up pictures of all old sort of you know 60s 60s and 70s you know sort of rock bands so you've got you know you've got like the Who you've got the Beatles you've got the Rolling Stones you've got the Cure and everyone nice. so they're kind of you know it's quite cool and then we you know we blast out you know sort of rock music and things and then we've we created this 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 role of a as we call him a shutcher which is a butcher right and like a showman so right. we kind of we were looking at ways you know to kind of create a little bit more of a casual feel and sort of interest in terms of you know customers and so they're not coming into a, you know, a boring stiff yeah. you know restaurant so um what sort of salt bay thing or? <laughs> well it's kind of a little bit you know more by well, yeah it's similar but you know he's he's a fully qualified butcher uh yorkshire lad um you know that i found and uh it's actually very difficult we're looking for someone who's obviously got you know charisma and character yeah and obviously a lot of butchers some of them do and some of them you know i kind of like anyway you know, <laughs> uh and thank god you know he's you know he's he's really you know very charismatic and and great with people good communicator and so his role is basically, you know, obviously to sell, you know, to upsell, you know, the, the steaks and things. So in service time, you know, he is there out the front running the floor, basically. So he introduces the meat, you know, kind of all the steaks that we do, um, you know, kind of goes through sort of where they're from, the provenance and or obviously how they taste when they're cooked and mm. things like this. And, you know, the other, <clears throat> the other, uh, I mean, the other restaurants that we have, there, so we have the, the uh, as I said, the, the Okram, which is the, which is the steak restaurant. Uh, and then we have a Mediterranean restaurant called Alba, uh, which is kind of a take on sort of, sort of Provencal, French, Italian style dishes. Um, and then we have a um, sort of health and wellness restaurant, right? Which is a lot of fun. Days. Is that big as well over there? Well, it's getting there, um, you know. And um, I'm, you know, quite into sort of fitness and health anyway. Um, yeah, you're about the first guest who hasn't turned up like huffing and puffing up those stairs. Um, <laughs> uh, when was your? When did you do your last Ironman? Uh, well, I haven't done any Ironman. I've done marathons. Okay, oh, I I've thought you'd marathons. just sort of done some. I've done some crazy stuff. Yeah. Did you do I've the marathon de Sable? I did that. Yeah. Yeah, is that as terrible as it sounds? It's pretty tough. Uh, there is, um, you know, you're running a marathon every day, and then you do a, um, you do two marathons in one day, back to back, and then you're carrying, you know, anywhere between, you know, depending on how well you pack, between you know, ten and fourteen kilos, and then you have your water as well, which is obviously another kilo and another kilo. Jeez. So you're carrying around, you know, fifteen kilos, um, and, and it's only seven days. It's over six days. Okay, so seven marathons. Yeah, yeah. and um, and then Jesus. you've got forty, you know, anywhere between forty-three to fifty degree heat, as well. How many people die? <laughs> well, they had, some have died. Yeah, uh, but I, mean, I, don't, know, I, don't, I don't know how many. But um, on, uh, I mean, I did mine. God, I don't know how long I did it. I did it um, seven years ago. I think it was now. And um, there were days, um, you know, when you felt really crap I mean really really Ugh. crappy because if you can imagine you're literally like running into a hairdryer that's what it's like the temperature is like a hairdryer it's you know it's kind of constant like that and then when you take your water you know it's at 45 or 60 degree heat so you're yeah. drinking really horrible you know sort of lukewarm or more than lukewarm it's water t- yeah torture really yeah Massive and then um, you know you uh, your feet as well get obliterated I got blisters and like really bad and uh Subsequently, lost all you know. I lost all my, uh, I lost all my toenails, 
as well. Um, and when I and when I did that one, I um, or when I finished this one, I hadn't realised as well that I had put myself in for the London Marathon for charity again. And um, so I literally finished, and I had literally a week, and then I had to then run the London <laughs> Marathon. And the doctor well, said, because uh, I literally, I, you know, as soon as I landed, I went to see the doctor the next day and said, um, you know, my, he had literally had to remove most of my toenails because they were either septic or, you know, had, some had fallen out and they were bad, pussy. And Did you go around the marathon? Yeah, no, I ran it, yeah. I ran it a week later. Did you, because um, obviously being a chef is a relatively unhealthy pastime mm. in a lot yes. of ways. But it, it, were you always sort of sporty or...? No, no, I, uh, I wasn't actually. I had, um, I would say when I was back in my sort of 20s, um, I got into this, when I was actually, when I was at Pilato, I got into this awful habit. Sort of every other day after service, I, would, I was like, I loved blue cheese. And yeah. uh, so I cut myself a nice wedge of blue cheese and I'd have a nice cold beer. And that was my thing, like, after service, just to chill out, nice big chunk of bread, have my blue cheese, have my beer, and then um, and then go home. And I'd have this... I've like, had li- more rock and roll stories of chefs <laughs> yeah. after service. Yeah. But. <laughs> but that was my thing, and, you know, and I'd do that literally, like, every other day. And I tell you, like, literally within, like, a year... I got this huge pot belly. I mean, it was insane. I literally you're blaming it entirely on that, that <laughs> the blue cheese. Well, well, it was pretty, I mean, you imagine how much blue cheese I ate in a year. I mean, it's quite it's quite substantial. I tell you. <laughs> um, and uh, so I literally went from you know a 32 to literally like a 37 inch waist. Oh right, so, that, so yeah, 37 okay. is pretty yeah pretty big. was the first kitchen you worked in? So I worked, um, my first kitchen was a place called the Mirabelle, not in London, but in um, Eastbourne, in a hotel called the Grand Hotel in Eastbourne. Right. Um, and uh, I was then 18, yeah, 18 years old. And um, it was uh, kind of a, as all these things, it was, you know, sort of a modern modern European fine dining restaurant. Um, <laughs> where, 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 whenabouts are we? So we are then 1988. Why? Okay. Yeah, 1988. Um, so a long time. You break ago. a few age. <laughs> yeah. Long time ago. Long time okay. ago. Yeah. So um, yeah, that was my that was my first um, sort of real insight into you know sort of proper grown up cooking, and I had literally you know left um, college green green as they come. And um, did you get to a food college? Or I went. Yeah, because I'm born and raised in Norfolk um, so I went to um, Norwich City College uh, which was a very you know which is a very very good college actually um, and um, I had uh, yeah I had quite a <clears throat> a funny experience there as well because I, I have a twin brother um, who's also a chef um, he lives and works um, in America and has for the last you know 23 odd years and um, we both literally decided, because of my mother and because of my father being in the wine business, my mother was a great, you know, really good home cook. And being in Norfolk, we were kind of spoiled because my mother would grow everything in the garden and we had produce, seasonal produce, literally all year round. And she loved, you know, sort of, you know, gardening and growing. And, and that's how we got into cooking by her, showing us, you know, how things grew and then taking it back in the kitchen. And, and so by the age of, you know, 12, we decided, you know, want to be chefs, and um, 
and so uh, I actually was there any sense that your parents thought well you go to college go to university well, we didn't go- tell them right we didn't tell them and uh, and so when I was 12 I called up Norwich City College and I said look you know I'm interested in coming onto the course when I leave school what qualifications do you need and they said well you know the good thing for you is you know we don't need or require any qualifications from any students that come on to um, the catering which is then city and girls level mm-hmm. one two so you don't need any qualifications you just come for an entrance exam very simple entrance exam uh, which is multiple choice and you have an interview with a senior member of staff and I said well that's it so no qualifications no don't need anything so that was for me that was like <laughs> sweet great so literally I mean my poor parents I put them through hell because then the next obviously you know three years of going into high school I was yeah. like a complete tosser <laughs> I literally like I sat in the back of class I messed around I didn't bother like you know with the teachers I hardly did my homework didn't concentrate and so my poor parents you know every literally every you know teacher's evening you know in the year that you would go to I was dreading when they would come back because I knew they would say, you know, that your teacher just thinks you're a complete wanker and you just you act like a fool. He's not going to become of anything. You know, he's going to be a loser. Basically, all of those things. So were you were you cooking at home and stuff? Were I was. You, yeah, you, no, I was. I was cooking at home. Yeah, you were interested in food at that point. You know, not regu- just regularly a... doing a bit of you know Sunday roast cooking and you know um, cooking stuff during the week and yeah, so it was kind of you know. Well into it, and, but was um, that was that your line, like to your parents? You like I don't care. Yeah, yeah. so I basically, I basically so my father, you know, was then like, you know, what are you going to do? Like these, these, these results suck. You're not going to do anything. You know, I, I mean, just tell us what what do you think you're going to do now? I mean, you've ruined, you've ruined your life. You know, all this dramatic phrases that were coming out of his mouth, and uh, and I just turned around to him, don't worry, I've got it covered. I'm going to be a chef. <laughs> His face just went. <laughs> <laughs> if he worked in the wine trade, he was probably yeah, pretty. Yeah. Uh, you're yeah. gonna you're gonna become a chef, and I said, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna become a chef. And I think that like you know that picture of their two sons was like flipping burgers in you know McDonald's or Wimpy yeah. and whatever. And I said, look, you know, I've already spoken to the college, and I, I then dropped this into the conversation that I've already spoken to the college, and then there was a, what do you mean you've spoken to the college? I said, yeah, I spoke to them when I was 12. <laughs> and I shouldn't have said that. I said, yeah, yeah, I spoke to them when I was 12, and they said that you don't need any exams. And I was like, oh. I then got into serious, you know, obviously trouble out of that. Um, you should have been impressed by your know, foresight. Exactly. And then uh, and then they basically said, oh, look, you know, well, you might as well, because you've got no other options of really mm. doing anything else. Um, so we went to college, and obviously, you know, the rest was, you know, kind of history. But when I, the funny thing was, when I was there, I had my interview and everything, and my brother, you know, we both got in. And then literally... Um, Two three months later, uh, the lecturer that interviewed me, he weirdly came up to me and said, uh, "Oh, just be careful because I'm, you know, I'm watching you." And I was like, "It's a bit weird, you know, to say that." I thought, and uh, I said, well, "What do you mean?" He said, "Well, you know, I just want to tell you this now, but you know, your brother sailed through um, the interview process, but I have to say that you know, we only took you because you're a twin." And you basically sucked in your interview, right. and we weren't going to take you on the course. But oh, we felt sh- that because you're a twin, we didn't want to separate you. I thought, hmm, <laughs> that's a really nice pep talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's motivating. Thanks. Yeah. Anyway, so I turned around to him as a, as, a, as a cocky, you know, sixteen-year-old, and I said, "Well, I said in ten years' time, you're going to know who I am, and I'm going to be famous." And that's how I, I said that to him. I thought, you know, 16, 10 years, that's 26. You know, that's like so old. You know, I definitely would have, you know, 
made my name by then or, or something. So that gave me a bit of a drive and a bit of impetus. And then, you know, and obviously, you know, fast forward, you know, 10 years, it's pretty much the day that I got, I got, um, yeah, the two stars and uh, at Pierre Terre at 26. And were, you, and were you the youngest to get two stars? Yeah, at I was the youngest. Yeah. And then... And how how quickly did you call him after that? <laughs> I, well, I didn't have to because, like, my face was all over the press and the papers and, and everything. And, and because Gordon and I literally got our two stars, two stars the same, you know, the same year. Um, I, you know, I'm afraid took all the all the all the press, and Gordon had a little, you know, a couple of paragraphs, and so I sent. He's done all right. Though. Yeah, he has yeah. done all right. Can't complain. And I, so I sent, you know, a couple of these clippings to the to the teacher, and basically I just put a little bit of paper in them saying, "Do you remember me ten years ago telling you I will be famous and you will, you know, recognize me?" Or no, no, no. Anyway, so I sent that to him. And uh, yeah, he's actually sent me a very nice letter saying uh, <laughs> congratulations, well done, you know, amazing, and da da da. So yeah. And how does the sort of that drive and that work ethic? Obviously, when you had your uh, restaurant, Tomic, and mm. which actually was, I was saying to James earlier, was I think the first. Might have been the first Michelin starred restaurant I went to, or the first restaurant sort oh, really? of at, at that level. Wow. And I remember going when I was a teenager and just being like, I remember asking, probably annoying your staff, asking mm. them loads of questions. But it was huge for me. Yeah. It was such a to experience food at that level and that service, you know, where it is that at that level, which I hadn't ever experienced before. But that was, you were sort of this young gun, you know, and you had mm. the stars at Pierre de Terre, and then you obviously transition over the years to what you do now, mm. where you're, you know, there's multiple places, but you don't have that restaurant, you know, yeah. which is you in the kitchen, say, every yeah. day. And not, I'm assuming you weren't in the kitchen every day, but probably mm. a vast amount of the time there in that place. But like a place which is just a pure yeah, sort yeah. of expression of your exactly. cooking. Exactly. To not have that now and that process mm. and that transition with that work ethic. How, how is that? How is that changed? Well, listen, it's, um, you know, the two things, you know, because I was, uh, you know, when I had that restaurant, I was, God, it was like large definitely a large chunk of my life it was like 11 whatever 11 odd uh, 11 odd years um, and I at that stage had just had uh, my first well more than my first child you know and um, I was then uh, because she was then yeah probably like two and then got another one on the way another bun in the oven as they say and I thought you know what because of of that time and I quite, you know, sort of missed, I literally like took, you know, two days off for the birth of my child and went back to work and, yeah. and you know, it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't great. And, you know, when the next one sort of came around, I just thought, you know, sometimes with these things, you know, they kind of push you into making, you know, I'd say sometimes, you know, the right and better decisions um, and at that stage I was also getting you know asked to do you know some other interesting things outside of the UK and you know which which I thought you know could be um, a different sort of you know avenue to look to look into and, and that's when you know I decided you know maybe to you know take some time out and do something a bit different and and yes because all my yeah definitely all my career has been you know Michelin 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 and was, you know I opened I opened Tom's Kitchen um, as well um, and I kind of you know I like doing you know the both sides of uh, I guess of the creativity be it you know sort of casual cooking or you know all the, all the sort of 
fine dining in Michelin. You know, I do, in a sense, um, still have you know very much a sort of creative you know appetite in terms of um, you know food and creativity and the design or the look or the taste of you know of, of food. That's for sure. Um, and it, you know, as I said, it may you know be something that I you know that I have always said that I would you know eventually go back into doing yeah. it again. Yes. Because I mean, you definitely did your time for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I did. Yeah, and uh, and definitely hand on heart. I, you know, I miss it a lot. Yeah, because I think every chef that has uh, you know a uh, sort of, I guess, a creative you know mind in terms of you know being creative in in you know, making new dishes and and everything like that. It's it's something you know that is always. You know, it's that monkey in there. Yeah. Like, you know, let me out. Let but me also, out. I suppose a, a place like that is inherently more personal. Yes. You know, oh, God, yeah. I mean, obviously, yes. all, all your places have you in them, but yeah. your place with totally, just your name yeah. over the door in it that is. way, not yeah. in a Tom's kitchen way. Yeah. Or a, and it is. It's, it's as you said. It's the, you know, it's that person, real sort of you know personal, sort of almost one to one. You know, with, yeah. with your you know with your staff and with your guests and your customers. Um, you know that they know that you're there and you're you know you're looking almost you know after after them one to one um and that yeah and that side of um i guess you know the cooking um yeah is is something that i you know that i definitely do you know do miss yeah and you know it may be something that uh you know that i you know would be looking at you know at uh at changing at some point you know in the in the near future right. yeah definitely that sounded quite like a you know, in the near future. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think I, I just think it's interesting because you had the way that you cook. Not, not I don't mean specifically the food, mm. but but the the cook that you were then with yeah. that place. You know, you were you were sort of the young gun, and mm. the and then obviously people transition into other yeah. roles, or whatever. And I always wonder whether you know people are ever like, God, you know, what, actually, I, I kind of like just my name over the door. This is and mm. cook, you know, cook again. I know you cook now, but mm. you know what I mean. I think it's yeah, interesting. I mean, it's it's because uh, you can do that. Yeah, you know? no, absolutely. Um, and you know, I think in terms of um, you know restaurants, uh, you know, with yeah, with you know, with with chefs in, um, you know, you've got to look at it. I think uh, retrospectively and. You know, in terms of you know the life, the life, the life balance situation as well, yeah, because I think um, you know, as I said, the restaurants of, of of today and sort of yesteryear are very you know very very different. One of the big sort of cliches and criticisms at the moment is that you know shows like Master Chef and da da da, probably slightly more abstractly X Factor. Um, give the impression that you know all these young chefs come in age 20 thinking they're going to be a head chef in two years time Mm. and there's no patience there's no willingness to learn and sort of um, put in your time do you do you see much of that a little bit yeah there is that Um, there definitely is that that um, yeah listen the youngsters today are, are very confident which isn't a bad thing, but you've got to channel it. I mean, you were pretty confident if you were telling your uh, tutor age 16 that... I was very confident, I was, definitely was. Um, But I was prepared to work whatever it took, you know, working 20 hours a day, sleeping three hours, you know, when I did a roshon, I mean, that's what we did. That's what you did? Yeah, you just got on with it. Um, And did you expect that of your chefs? No, no, they wouldn't do it. But but when you started, you know, twenty well, years when ago, I, when I started, you know, yes, when I was at Pilater, um yeah, I expected that of them. I did, and that was my, you know, probably not the best, you know, 
that was my first sort of real yeah. head chef management style. Because you, because I'm gonna phrase this as delicately as I can, yeah, but you certainly have, or have, or a maybe reputation. I should say, had a reputation. Yes, I did. Yeah, I definitely had a reputation, uh, and you know, it's funny, like you know, well, not funny, but you know, when I talk about it now, I sound like I've, I, you know, when I when I start talking about it, so I, 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 I look at myself like, my God, you're like you're preaching someone. I mean, you, you know, you're getting old now. You're sort of referencing like the past. Um, so you know it, it's kind of funny when you know when I talk about it, but it is you know it is as I said it's um, I think the as I said the kitchen the kitchens of now and and the staffing issue you know as I said you've just there's got there's got to be a certain amount of um, you know hand holding and guidance these days in terms of as I said being proactive as much as you know as an employer can in terms of you know helping staff and getting to understand what you know, hospitality and catering industry is mm. and where, you know, where it can take you and, and where it can lead you. And you know, as I said, in terms of doing, you know, outside events and things that I've done, you know, all over the world, you know, it gives you an amazing possibilities of meeting, you know, weird and wonderful people that you would never have the opportunity to do as well. So it's on that side of it, there's, you know, there's a huge amount of, you know, I think excitement that, you know, that they need to kind of mentally get. It's not just about coming in and hard craft and working the hours mm. and working unsociable times you don't see your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whatever it's not you know times have as I said have changed you know for, for the better for sure so would you do things differently if, if, if you were to rewind the clock oh god yeah I mean if listen if I was born in this era now I mean I'd be like yeah <laughs> laughing because you know it was it was you know as you know it was a different you know it was a different time era um, you know, and I think in, we in, had a chef at Pigeon who'd worked with Pierre not for long. Do you remember Jason? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. And and he w- would still go into the kitchen, which is I guess surprising to a lot of people. But mm. yeah, I mean, it was like if you got in his way, you would fucking know about it pretty quickly. And just yeah. obviously, you trained under him as well. And yeah, uh, in uh, God ninety one, it was right. yeah long time ago those kitchens obviously were run in a you know not in a pleasant way and were mm. incredibly tough on the people yeah. going through them but then you get a lot of chefs talking about well, there was good that came out of those kitchens oh, definitely. you know discipline work ethic mm. discipline you know, and work d- ethic. just the way that uh, they were completely. put across obviously now you can get that across in a different way yeah but you know i mean dave chang's always banging on yeah. about it you know about how i don't know where a chef's coming from who have that work ethic mm. who have that no because it was then it was just a given that's how it was yeah. you either got on with it sucked it up or you know see you later yeah. because there wasn't a shortage of chefs you know there was like there wasn't as many restaurants either so you know the I guess the employers back then you know they were lucky you know that there was just an army of chefs waiting to come in and, yeah. and when I applied you know to come and work in London um, you know, I wrote to Rue Brothers, I wrote to Marco, I wrote to Kaufman, uh, Nico. They basically all said, are you serious? Yeah. Are you, are you really? like, actually serious? <laughs> you want to come and work for me? Yeah. You've, left, did, co- you've but- left college, you have no experience, come back in three years. Like... Right. And we have a waiting list of chefs. But that's so, the, that's the yeah. story, isn't it? Yeah. The number of chefs. Oh, who are like, I, I turned up and I said I work for free for nothing. Can you imagine that happening now? Like, well, I did. Great this, is, this is what I did. You know, when I when I to get in, I was like, you know, I was like seriously bummed out because I was like, it's happy go lucky, like you know, school uh, college leaver, you know, super pumped, enthusiastic, and driven and determined, and I'm going to really do this and da-da. And I got these responses like, the fuck, you know, it's like, okay, so I then, I then wrote again. 
all of them. I said, I'll work for nothing for six months for free. That's what I said. And literally only three. I got three responses. Um, and uh, I got one from the... Well, Red Zeppi gets 100 of those a week. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> I had, you know, one from the Rue brothers, uh, and they just, you know, said a very sweet letter, and, you know, we're thinking, but we can't take you because we've got other people that wait on the waiting list, and they had to come first, a priority. And then um, it was David Cavalier in, uh, in Battersea, Queenstown Road. He gave me, yeah, he gave me a six-month opportunity and then after six months you know he gave me a paid job so I did I actually worked for nothing for six months to get a job and then on the back of that uh, he then got me a position at uh, Pierre Kaufman because he said like where do you want to go and work I said Pierre Kaufman and, and what then, was he like as a teacher who David Kaufman uh, Kaufman amazing um, you know I mean no, he's so lovely now no matter the, the no matter how hard no matter how hard he was you know and he was pretty you know he was pretty tough but he had yeah, he had a twinkle in his eye and he had a soft side to him, you know, and um, when uh, when I first started, I remember my interview, I was shitting it, man. I mean, there's this, you know, amazing chef and my my palms were sweating and I was just like... And the interview lasted, like, literally, like, two minutes. He came in, um, you know, I was, like, you know, speaking a very light face and shook his head. And, uh, you know, he's a big guy and you're kind of like... Mm. <laughs> and... Uh, so he just basically said, oh, you know, so uh, David is, uh, said you're a very good chef and, you know, but I'll kind of be the judge of that and, you know, so you want a job? And I said, yeah, yes, please. <laughs> and we just, that was it. Was, you know, that was got a job. And uh, anyway, so I was, I was with him, you know, for over a year and, uh, and there was me and uh, another British chef called Paul Rhodes who has Rhodes Bakery, the very yeah. successful oh, baker. Yeah. Um, it's one of his bags right behind you. Oh, yeah, there you go. And uh, and basically, I remember my you know my first few days. I mean, they hated us in the kitchen because it was literally me and Paul, and the rest were French. They hated us like you know bloody English. You can't cook roast beef. Well done. I mean, we just got abused, abused. And they would then also try and put us in the shit on purpose, <laughs> like drop us in the shit, like either with whatever, like putting a sauce on the stove to make it burn, or I mean, it was all going on. And then the guy that I was working with on the larder, Lauren, um, you know, we didn't talk, didn't say a word apart from bonjour, good morning, and au revoir. That was it? For two months. Literally two months. Oh, didn't speak. And you were would working do, side by side? Yeah, he would do, like, you know, he would show me what I had to do, obviously, at the beginning, and then he was like, fuck you, you, you don't know. And that was it, so we didn't speak for two months. But then, like, Kaufman could see this... So he kind of liked that, that there was this, like, real sort of, I guess, animosity between the English and the, and the French. So he worked that quite well because, <laughs> yeah. you know, he would then start to play a little bit of favourite to, to me and Paul. I mean, there was a couple of occasions, you know, when he would come in and he'd go, uh, uh, Chef Tom, you uh, you know, like, like a coffee? And I was like, what? Coffee? Coffee? <laughs> and, like, he never offers coffees to any of the French guys. I was like... I better say, yeah, yes, chef, yes, chef, I have coffee. <laughs> so he makes his like triple espresso, you know, coffee that I fucking hate it. But I thought, right, I've got to drink it because, you know, Pierre Kaufman's made me a coffee, you know. Anyway, so there's all this going on, and um, and then aside of that, I'd been on the larder literally like, you know, three months, and then Laurent, who was with me, he left after two, so I was running the larder. And then he then moved me around every two months, you know, so I got to do all the, you know, all the different sections. Um, on the kitchen. The funny thing was when uh, 
when I then, so I moved from the larder, and I remember this, I moved from the larder to the fish section. And the fish section I moved in the summertime was when it's busy, and they do so much. I mean, they're like, the amount of fish prep that they have to do is just, you've got the, you know, got the longestine, you've got crayfish, you've got sides of wild salmon and scallops, and like, I mean, there's a lot of, he buys these tiny little baby red mullet that used to take forever to fill it. And then he goes to me one day, you're going on the fish section uh, next week. And he says to me, I was like, oh my fucking God. So I literally hadn't prepped any fish since I was at college. And you know what, you get at college, you get like some fillets of sole and yeah, that's about it. Yeah, and there I was, you know, fucking, you know, wild salmon that costs, you know, fucking hundred quid and scallops and never opened a scallop in my life. Never. And I had to go up to him afterwards. He said, uh, a chef, can I just tell you now, I'm really happy to go to the fish section, but I've never prepped any fish. <laughs> and he goes, what do you fucking mean? Well, chef, I haven't prepped any fish. He says, well, I'll fucking teach you. Yeah, that was, it. That was wow. it. I'll fucking teach you. Maybe Laurent had bailed because yeah. he was put on fish. He was like, I'm out. And anyway, so literally, you know, after you know, he was with me, he stayed with, you know, he was with me, like teaching me, like for about a week, and then I was on my own. And he was an amazing teacher because, you know, yeah, he obviously gave you shit when you did a, you know, and I definitely sliced up a couple of salmon the wrong way sometimes, mm. you know, but. Um, but you know, he then like really like motivated you and pushed you, and you know he'd come on the fish section and race you like doing the scallops and doing the salmon, and so he was a good teacher. Yeah, he really like you know kind of pushed you, motivated you. He was yeah. really good at that. Where, where do you like to go and eat now when you get any time off? Oh, um, I mean, I ate recently, I'm never going to pronounce this right, uh, but I ate recently at... Um, McDonald's. Not McDonald's, <laughs> no. Pigeon. Uh, at uh, Ioki. Ikea? Oh, Ikea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Which Jeremy. Is, we were funny enough talking about that earlier with um, someone we bumped into. Yeah, yeah amazing food. It yeah, really, pretty, really yeah. super nice guy. Properly unique. Yeah, very. Really, like, I was blown away. I just thought... The boy has obviously has done his homework and you know, but he's learnt all by self taught by himself in terms of the ingredients that he's using and I think, you know, the methods of cooking and also, you know, the incorporation of different spices and things into his mm. you know, he's I mean really I was like wow. You know, really, really good and I was there what a couple of months ago. And that was definitely I think, you know, a amazing foodie experience. And do you have any staples of like, you know, if, if you and your wife have a get an evening together it was like we'll go you know a neighbourhood um, favourite you know what I wouldn't say yes but I mean um, I would go you know quite a lot to uh, you know Lee Westcott who used to work with me at the mm. typing room uh, Clove Club um, quite a bit um, I think um, you know Tom Sellers you know who used to work for me as well uh, and Cor Claire Smith I think mean, you know she She's done, you know, amazingly well. I think in terms of, yeah. you know, her um, creativity, you know, in her restaurant. I think, you know, she's doing some, you know, amazing cooking at the minute. Um, and I think her, you know, her uh, success, you know, has has come very, very quickly. And I think it's been absolutely, you know, 
fair play because she's definitely deserved it. These, these all sound slightly like busman's holidays, though. Do you, are there any sort? Of, do you ever just go to a red sauce joint and get elbow deep in a carbonara? Oh or? god, yeah, no, I definitely, you know, I don't. I, I tell you, I very rarely eat fine dining right. food. Okay, like you know, I. Uh, I would definitely go to, you know, burger places or chicken sours or, you know, definitely, uh, you know, casual mm. places, that's for sure. But no, but as I said, you know, the, ex- the experience and eating out and, you know, in, I think, London, we're, we're, we're so lucky to have, you know, a, uh, a whole plethora of different, you know, levels of, of, of cooking um, and the high standards, you know, that we do. Uh, I think is you know is uh, is amazing you know and the chefs that we have in in the country not just London but in the country is I think second to none I think in terms of you know when you look at countries who are really sort of you know I think pushing the boundaries in terms of you know creativity in terms of the food and obviously the you know the restaurants the concepts I don't think you can beat anyone other than you know UK I think is uh, is the top for sure. Amen. Okay, uh, so the quick fire. So your first answer, and then you're welcome to expand. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, what's your cinema food of choice? Uh, greasy sloppy burger. Sweet deal. Which cinemas do you go to? <laughs> uh, or is this post cinema? Or is this post cinema? Okay, I never, I never eat before. No, no, not eating during. But during? Oh, during. Uh, no, I always, I will always eat after. Uh-huh. Yeah. Not going for the foot long El Presidente hot dog. No, you should. This morning. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> You're lost. Uh, which sport are you best at? Uh, best at cycling, and I love um, horse riding. Oh, really? Yeah, because yeah, I have um, in my family. I have uh, in Ireland an Irish strain, not from the red hair, but I mean, my mother, um, she. Uh, her sister um, married an Irishman, and an Irishman was a jockey. And right. then he then produced a son who was a champion jump jockey. Uh, he won the uh, uh, Gold Cup, Challenge Gold Cup, three times on Easter Brack. And so I went there for a, um, a sabbatical of a week to learn how to horse ride. Oh, really? And he stuck me on a freaking uh, racehorse. <laughs> Shit. At the end. Again, in at the deep end, yeah. can't do things by halves. No. Stuck me on a freaking racehorse. With uh, short stirrups and everything, I'd obviously done uh, like wow. four or five days of, of literally like eight hours a day of horse riding and falling off and you know, doing jumps and going up and up. Um, and then he surprised me in the morning, saying he didn't tell me that it was a racehorse. He just right. bought out this really young horse. <laughs> and what's that, the deal? That I don't really know anything about horses. Race horses. I mean, a they're fast. They're fucking fast. Yeah, but they're, they're really like aggy as well. And I couldn't. I literally we did. He said like. I saw how he pulled out a horse, and the horse was, you know, fucking nose flaring. And like this. Yeah. I thought, okay, this is a serious stitch, obviously. Um, and uh, and he goes, oh, I got another surprise for you. We're gonna give you a, we're gonna give you a short stirrups and a little wee saddle. I was like, well, I haven't done that before. I oh, don't worry about that. You just get on the horse, and it's gonna be fine. Anyway, so we literally, I, I get on the horse, and this thing was like, you know, pulling. You know, so I could feel this thing, and he said, uh, basically, if what are you gonna do? Get out of the uh, stables. Follow a woodchip path, and once you get a woodchip path, you go into a forest. Out of the forest, you're onto the gallops. Just watch the horse. Just keep him sharp. I mean, my God, this well, thing, the thing like, just, goes. just went. As soon as he hit the grass, he just fucking flew. 
and my uncle was in like Land Rover by the side of me just laughing his head off <laughs> and for the life of me I tried pulling with fucking all my strength and I couldn't stop Nothing. this thing couldn't stop him Jesus. at all and we did two full laps of the gallops before I could stop him before he, was, he I mean, wore himself out in the thing <laughs> and I was watching I was watching the ground literally going boom 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 like fast all the way by so I was just like yeah crumbs uh, what's the most annoying thing your kids do have you got an hour <laughs> <laughs> but the, I, most, I, the I, only I, things that um, I would say that I wouldn't say that my two are they're not annoying in any way but they are sometimes um, they, the youngster who's five disobedient oh, okay she's disobedient yeah, she is, and she kind of, you know, she's she's very chippy, right. um, and she thinks she knows best. Yeah, I don't know where she gets that from. Really, don't, but, <laughs> you know, yeah. so she's yeah, she's definitely like very very sassy young lady already. Okay, she's going to be uh, mm, yeah problematic. Yeah, yeah, I've got an eighteen years. month old like that. Yeah. She is an absolute tyrant. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I love your daughter for that. Yeah. She's yeah. badass. She beats the hell out of my four year old like. With, really? with a grin on her yeah. face I've wow. watched her do it <laughs> just, yeah mm. um, but yeah kids are annoying mm. um, <laughs> uh, what's the best breakfast best breakfast um, my token one if I'm you know really going to go to town is a crusty roll fried egg bacon uh, sausage cut in half HP sauce nice brown egg, sauce egg banjo is that an egg banjo? Do you know about an egg banjo? I have vague recollection. It's, it's going to be hard to convey on the pod, but um, it's because you take a bite, yeah, and then the egg squirts out down your jumper, so you go, oh, it looks like a banjo. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, what's your cheese of choice? Uh, well, I still... Still go with the blue. Blue. And when, when we used to go on holidays in um, in France, in the Auvergne, there's a cheese of the blue Auvergne. Okay. Yeah, it's a great cheese. Yeah. Uh, and the final question: uh, What's your least favorite genre of music? Hmm. I would probably have to say. God, it's difficult actually. Um, <laughs> mm, <laughs> is there but, a long list? No, no, no. There, yeah, there is a little bit. Yeah. Just deciding between the two. Um, <laughs> Gregorian chant or reggae? <laughs> no, I think. Um, well, I wasn't very much, you know, because when my mother and father were, uh, you know, definitely into sort of sixties, you know, sixties music, and I was funny because I remember when they had their um, when they had their fortieth, uh, my mother's fortieth, and uh, I was obviously still, you know, sort of eleven or eleven or twelve when they had, you know love their Beatles and, and rock music and everything um, whilst my brother my older brother he got into um, it's probably why I probably don't resonate very much with it but he got into serious sort of punk and hardcore rock right. punk music it used to drive me up that freaking <laughs> wall because he would play this like so loud and when you're listening to it it's just like you fucking you fucking you fucking <laughs> It's like, this is not music. It's just think, screaming and shouting and swearing. Yeah. But he loved it. So uh, hard, hard punk, punk and hardcore. Yeah. 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 What would yours be, James? Gregorian chants. Really? 
Do you mean like popular music? Oh, I don't know. You could. I mean, if you have that much of a hatred for Gregorian chants, but who it's hates that that much? Yeah, it's drab. It's yeah. drab, but it's fine, isn't it? Um. Yeah, I was just like, no. I mean, I'm gonna go with that. I'll stick with that. That was my with quick fire answer. <laughs> What's your sound? Reggae, uh, reggae, yeah. reggae. Yeah. yeah. I, d- I tried to. I think I pretended I got into dub reggae for a while because thought that was the cool side yeah, of reggae. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it just it drives me demented. I'm probably being ignorant, but it's not for me. Uh, Tom, thank you so much thank for your you. time. Pleasure. Pleasure to meet you. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.